Lord, that is our prayer this morning, that you would speak to us um, and take the Word of God, and by the power you bring Holy Spirit, make application. Lord, this morning we also uh, pray, as we've been asked to pray by several organizations for the country of North Korea, that you and your majesty would break the stronghold of despotic, um, atheistic um, rule that is an iron grip on these dear people, that you would empower the church that is being persecuted to speak the word of God and to live it and to hold forth the good news of Jesus Christ, that you would empower continually the church of South Korea and the incredible work you've done there to continue to take the gospel to their brothers and sisters in the north. So speak, O Lord, to us. Speak, O Lord, to the peoples around the world this day to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, we're back in 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, hear the word of God. Paul writes to this church, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it or accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you, who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same thing. These, those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to all men. In their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved, in this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. This morning, I'm going to take the first part of this passage and just celebrate the fact that the Word of God is actively at work among His people, changing us and energizing us. In fact, we get our word energy from the Greek word here in verse 13 that's translated, which is at work or which energizes you who believe. Thanks be to God that his word is energizing us. There's a statement in the bulletin from the Gospel Coalition, their confession of faith. And the last part says this of the confession. The Bible is to be believed as God's instruction in all that it teaches, obeyed as God's command in all that it requires, and trusted as God's pledge in all that it promises. As God's people hear, believe, and do the word. They are equipped as disciples of Christ and witnesses to the gospel. Uh, thanks be to God that his word is energetically at work among his people now by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 20, for example, Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. He says, I ministered among you people for, for three years. You saw how I went from house to house and I didn't withhold anything that was profitable and necessary for your instruction in the faith. And, and then he makes this statement, verse 28. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Well, first of all, you've got to watch yourselves. And then I want you to, to shepherd the flock that God has given you. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. 
He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock, even from your own number. Men will arise in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. And the question is, how in the world can we watch ourselves? How can we shepherd the church of Christ that he bought with his shed blood? And and how can we guard against error that not only is from without or from within? Here's the answer, verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Which is, we can, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. How, how do you guard the church? How do you guard the, yourselves? How do you keep from error? You give yourself to the word of grace. Second Peter. In Second Peter, the apostle Peter says in verse, in chapter three, he talks about how people twist the scripture. And he says this, verse 17, therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You, you grow in the grace and knowledge. You stay in the scripture. People will try to, try to twist the scripture, but you stand firm. Thanks be to God who works and blesses and energizes us through his word, just like the church at Thessalonica. And when that happens in this text, he says, when God works in your heart, number one, you are imitatable and you become imitators. And number two, you're willing to suffer for the things of God. You go the distance. He says in chapter 1, I, I know that you're among God's called people because when you receive the word, you accepted it not as, as, as the word of, of men, but as the word of God. And you became role models to all the churches throughout Asia Minor. And he says here that you, you imitated the churches in Judea. You imitate, you become imitatable, and you're willing to go the distance. So I'm looking at just a, a couple of promises this morning and just rejoice in that. In John chapter 8, the scripture says this. Jesus says to the Jews who believed in him, he said, if, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And he says in verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You see, Christ was talking to a group of people who have been taught all their lives that through law keeping, they are made right with God. That through doing A, B, and C, they're made right with God. And he said, if you really want to have freedom, you abide in me. And you realize in chapter 4 that all the promises are fulfilled in me. All the promises of Moses are fulfilled in me. And therefore, you don't become law keepers. You become people who walk by faith. You realize that Christ is our righteousness. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We're always We are always in the posture, church, of of forgetting the grace of the cross and looking at ourselves and trying to work our way into God's favor by what we do. But if we abide in the word, then we shall know the truth, and the truth will make us free. In Galatians chapter 5, this was a huge issue of the church of Galatia. And Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. 
I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised as a means of being made right with God, okay, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, again, as a means of earning favor with God, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You're trying to be justified by law over what you do, and you have been alienated from Christ. We, we always are, are, are in the process of falling back into works righteousness. Freedom comes in understanding and abiding in the Word and seeing Christ and Christ alone as our righteousness. Now, in Dublin on April the 13th, okay, just had April the 13th, 1742, there was the first performance of Handel's Messiah, 270 years ago, 270 years ago, first performance. And it was packed. There was a house there, held 800 people. There were 850 people there. It was packed. And the music, as you know, is electric and beautiful and the contralto soloist was a well-known woman who, is, who had been living a scandalous life. And when she sang the solo, he was despised and rejected of men. After she finished singing, which is so beautiful, there was a pastor there by the name of Delany, and he stood up and he cried out, Woman, for this be all thy sins forgiven thee. Well, that's not the way you go to a concert. And number two, that's horrible theology. He got carried away by the moment. There's nothing you can sing. There's nothing you can do. There's no pilgrimage you can take to make you right with God. It is only the work of Christ. And when you abide in the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you see that all the promises are fulfilled in Jesus, you shall know the truth and the truth makes you free. It makes you want to sing and dance because it's not based upon what we do. It's based upon what he has done. Now I'll just ask you, do you know that freedom? Do you know that freedom? It comes as you abide in the gospel of grace and you see the beauty of the cross of Jesus. The, the truth. How, how do you avoid bad theology? You stay in the word of God. You stay centered on the gospel of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. How, how do you evade, avoid just making erroneous? You, you stay in the Word of God. You check it with the Word of God. You see, the Word of God energizes us so that we are imitatable and we're willing to go the distance. Another promise. You know this passage very well. All Scripture, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed. Give my inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, which means to keep you in the right path, for correction, which means to get you back on the right path, and for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped for every good good work when you let the word of god correct reprove instruct build your doctrine you will know how to walk as a peacemaker 
You will know how to walk in forgiveness. You will walk in faith knowing that the Lord has numbered the hair upon your head. You will seek first the kingdom of God. You'll have a priority of things that really count and do not count. You'll have peace. I mean, that is your birthright, child of God. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. Thoroughly equipped. That's what I want for you and me. Recently, just a couple months ago, a man, elderly man died. He had no family, never married. He had a distant grandnephew, and he left his small house and his belongings to his grandnephew. I had no money. The grandnephew was just going through his belongings, thinking, how am I going to unload this house? He went upstairs, and he found a box with some comic books in it. He started looking through the comic books and said, this, these things look really old. Maybe they're worth something. He took them down to a comic book vendor. I, just the story. I don't know the rest of it. You know. And the guy said, these are incredibly uh, you know, worth a lot of financial money. And so they, they auctioned them off, and he gained uh, or received $3.5 million. Oh, for a great uncle to die and leave me something like that. You know? Start calling your great uncles today when you get home, just in case, you know. I read that and I thought, that, that, that is a really cool story. Let me tell you, this book is incredibly more powerful and glorious than any comic book inheritance you could get or any other inheritance. This is the Word of God. It, it is. And, and, and when you stay here and you let it operate in your life, it energizes you to be a person or a family or a church that is imitatable and goes the distance. I love the Word of God. I was at a conference two or three years ago, and there was a panel discussion and there were some well-known men talking, sitting on couches and chairs. And the moderator was uh, a man I know fairly well. He's a Korean who has a church in Boston. He has a Ph.D. from Cambridge. He's a brilliant guy and, and just a, a godly person. And, but they started just kind of talking about life and ministry. And, and, and one of the man, men went on this, this pretty long statement about how hard marriage is. This marriage is just so hard. And there's a lot of young guys there, and I'm going, he went on and on. I thought, come on, come on. Somebody throws a lifeline here, you know? And, and so we went on. And finally, when it was, there was a break, and this moderator said, where do I go with this? There was another man there named, named Tim Keller. You've probably read his books. And Tim Keller said this. He said, let me, let me just say this. He said, if you and your wife, and there are all men there, if you and your wife stay in a humble, worshipful posture before the triune God, and you let the Word of God build your life by the power of the Spirit, you will be okay. And I thought, hallelujah, praise God, amen. He's right. You know, the most important thing in my life as a husband or dad or son or pastor or friend is that I humbly receive the Word of God, which changes me, which shapes me which builds me, which shows me the way I should live. And here, here's one of my concerns. In an age of information, when at our fingertips we have inexhaustible resources, and it's unbelievable, 
I mean, I tell young people all the time, the, the, the research I can do now in one hour, I used to go to the public library and get out microfilms and spend eight hours going through rail after re- article after article and then copying it down. And now you just boom, it's there. You have inexhaustible resources. In an age of where you have inexhaustible resources, then everything becomes trivia. And we have to be very clear about prioritizing our life. For example, I, I want to be able to speak to people intelligently about the health care bill this, before the Supreme Court. And I just, I, I would like to know. And then I was, I've, I've been in some research. You know the health care bill is 2,700 pages? Come on. First of all, I have the technical ability to read all that. 20, they said, well, there's a condensed version of 1,000 pages. Well, thank you for that. I mean, come on. And then I read a book recently where the guy said, because of technological resources, this is a guy, Johns Hopkins, he says, we have a culture that lives with continuous partial attention. And he says, the, the number one, listen to me, listen to me, the number one act of incivility, in his opinion, is to text people while you're having lunch with them. Not the person you're eating with, but text other people, not the person you're eating he said, that, that's just, he said, that, that, that's, in his opinion, that, 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 that's it. That's number one. So just listen to that. Continuous partial attention. And so, listen, even among us, I love to read. I love to read. And, 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 and I, I want to be aware of things. And there are even some great classic books to read. Let's say that, let's say that Augustine was here today. Augustine died in 430. He wrote numerous books. The most well-known is called The Confessions of Augustine. And, and if, if he were standing here and say, you know, thank you for your book. Uh, it's a great book. In, in any short list of the Western canon anywhere, The Confessions of Augustine would be on a very short list. But if you were to say to him, now, we're, we're reading the Confessions of Augustine primarily and kind of studying the Bible secondary, he'd say, God forbid. God forbid. I meet people frequently and say, well, this is what I'm reading. It's encouraging me. That, that's good. But I want to say, what are you studying the Word of God? I'm, I'm all for being current. I'm all for studying Nietzsche or whatever or Heidegger or, or even reading good books of, of People that bleed bibline. But the final nail says, give me, give me Peter and Paul and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Give me the word of God. Let, let me receive it and hear it and, and know it. Because as you go through the ABCs of life, aches, barriers, and crisis, you're going to have aches, you're going to get old, you're going to start aching. You're going to hit barrier after barrier in your life in a fallen world, and you're going to go through crisis. You know, someone said, I've heard this many times, that either you're going into a crisis, in a crisis, or coming out of a crisis, that's life. As you go through that, what gives you the staying power by the Holy Spirit, and that is to know and apply the Word of God. I was reading John recently, in John 14 and 15, two things just, I just thought, man, Lord, please show me this more and more. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says, you're going to have uproar in your lives, but my peace will walk you through it. And then chapter 15, verse 11, this little, it says, 
I have told you this, see, this, I've told you this, so that your joy may be, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus tells us this so that his joy might be in us and our joy be complete. I, I just celebrate the goodness of God. There's a hymn that goes like this. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? So the first stanza is, behold, the all-encompassing power of the word of God. And then he unloads some promises. The second stanza in the Baptist hymnal Fear not, I am with you, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. Then the next stanza, the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. All of those promises come from the word of God. Now, we went to a seminary, Dean and I did, where this was sung, the first, this was the first hymn sung every chapel, every semester. I, I love this hymn. I want this hymn sung at my funeral. And can it be this one? And let Kelly sing Jesus Messiah. I'll be happy. Okay. So, I mean, this, 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 this Thanks be to God. Listen, thanks be to God for his word that actively works in us. For the authority and the power and the hope that it brings. And then Hebrews 4 verse 12. It says says that the word of God is is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And it pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and it is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I read that and I go, thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, I just, God won't let you off the hook. See, I mean, when, when you study the Bible, God speaks to you by His Spirit. You cannot study the Bible and walk in unforgiveness. God won't let you off the hook. You you, you can't study the Bible and and not, as as a husband, cherish and care for your bride. Because the Bible won't let you off the hook by the Spirit. See, the Word of God sustains, corrects, cuts us. I want us to be a church that knows this. There's a quote by John Newton in the bulletin. Newton is talking about the scripture, and this is what he says. He says, he said, the Holy Spirit influences the hearts of all the children of God as they are inspired, not with new revelations, but with grace and wisdom to understand, apply, and feed upon the great things already revealed in the scriptures, without which the scriptures are as useless as spectacles to the blind. You see, if we're not humbly receiving the word and bathing our heart in it, Newton says there, there is, the scripture is as worthless 
as spectacles to blind people. Then he says, and, and while we are preserved in a simple dependence upon this help from the Holy Spirit in making the Scripture powerful, we shall find an ability to do everything that our circumstances and duty call for us to do. Thanks be to God who builds His church through the Scripture. Now, I want us to have a little bit of application here. So, exhortation, application. How, how do we get the book in our lives? Okay. How do we get it? Well, just, you, you read it. Okay, you read it. Thanks be to God that we can read. You read the Scripture. Number two, you, you hear it. You hear it. Sung, preached, you hear it. Third, you study it. You study it. See, every, every person here should say, Lord, let me put myself in a, in a place where I can study and hear the Word of God. Now, we have adult Bible study at our church. Many people here don't go to adult Bible study. You ought to be in adult Bible study. I mean, this is the Lord's day. You give this day to the Lord. Where are you going to go on Sunday morning? Waffle House. Go, go to Bible study. Go to a Bible study where you can hear the Word of God taught by people who have poured over it during the week. So, so you, you hear it. You read it. You, you study it. You get involved. And, and then, fourthly, you meditate slash memorize. I, I hate to use the word memorize because a lot of people say they can't memorize, and I understand that, but I'd like to say meditate, which means you continually think upon it. You take a passage and you put it, you know, on your refrigerator or in your wallet or on your, in your car so that when you hit a stoplight, you can, and you think through it, you pray through it, you think through it, you, you regurgitate it, you go over it, you think and you think and you ponder and you ponder. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, whose leaf never withers. I want that. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. See, the the issue for us, church, is are we going to be weather vanes or clocks? The old old old-timey internal clock for the mechanism. Weather, a weather vane, of course, just points wherever the public opinion blows it. But a clock has an internal system that operates on fixed principles. I want us to be clocks to the glory of God. I want us to, to, to understand that when the Word of God is received, and it, it energizes us and it compels us and it pushes us. That, that's who we are to be. Now, let me talk to you about something else. It's about, we went through a campaign recently for an impact center. And uh, here's our statement, our purpose statement as a church. We adopted this several years ago. Equipping people to pursue Jesus Christ passionately as they, or so they, can impact the culture. So we equip people to pursue Christ passionately. And to, to me, if someone were to say, okay, you've got, you've got um, 30 seconds, 
Tell us what that purpose statement means in the life of the church. Here's, here's what I would say. Number one, it means that we are, we are biblically saturated people. We believe in the Reformation principles of the Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, because we are saved by the work of Christ alone, by faith alone. We, we, are, we, are that, we, are, we believe in the Reformation. We're, we're, we're children of the Reformation. We, are, we believe the Scripture. We want to live here. And we, we want to breathe this and teach it and, to the ends of the earth. And then we want to be a people missionally, locally. And that involves, quite frankly, we understand that, that all of life is an act of stewardship before God. And that as the Lord saves us and works in our life, that, that every member should be involved in some type of ministry to the glory of God. And we believe in, in missions internationally. We want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to unreached people groups to unreached cities, pockets of cities. We want to have a vital partnership with Barnabas pastors nationally and Barnabas missionaries internationally. And we want to be a, a people who build community. Uh, we believe that God is a community of three and has called us to be in community. That the Bible is a book of community relational dynamic. This is who we are. And we want to be transgenerational. Every time we meet as elders or deacons or leaders or staff, we should ask ourselves, what are we doing for the next generation? How are we supporting the coming generations in our children's ministries, in our middle school and high school ministries, through our school, Palmetto Christian Academy, through our, our college and our singles program, through campus outreach? Let me just go on and on. What I want to think about the coming generations. And for those of us that are 20 or 30 years from the finish line, we don't want to give up. We want to think about the generations even yet to be born. That's who we want to be. And to, to accomplish that, we believe, the, the, the elders, the, we believe that, that this impact center is, is a means by which we can have more classrooms, larger meeting space to equip people to pursue Christ passionately so they can be kingdom players to the ends of the earth. And, and so that, the, the vision is not going away. But here's some promises we've said before. Uh, we're not going to do anything until we raise the lion's share of the money. You have spoken. We've heard that. But, but we want you to know if you've pledged, please continue giving. We want to build and strengthen ourselves and we want to go forward and by God's grace one day accomplish this to the glory of God. The glory of God. A couple of issues at hand we've, we, we're, we're dealing with and trying to address our debt situation. Our indebtedness in next year's budget is, is going to be 6.5% of our budget. I wish it were zero. But quite frankly, for a church our size to have 6.5% is very, very, very low. And I thank God for that. I'd like to keep it very low and even lower. So we've always been very conservative. We're kind of a conservative bunch. Boy, are we. So we, we just kind of, we're, we're conservative financially. The second thing we're working on is we're going to have a temporary building here, primarily for large meeting space, especially for our high school ministry. And the third thing, we're trying to work on traffic egress which is a fancy way of saying trying to get you off campus quicker. And we're working on those three things. And we want to know, we've heard that, but just please know this is, this is who we, we're an equipping church. That's why we have a school. That's why we have all these youth ministries. We are vitally bulldog committed to the next generation. We are. That's who we are. We love children. 
And, and I, th- I think of Isaiah 61, 3. It says, you'll be, how's it going? You, you'll be a, 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 a oaks planted in the kingdom of God for the display of his righteousness. Whew. I want these little ones to be oaks for the display of his righteousness. Wow. So Todd Smith is our elder chairman, and Todd's going to come and make a statement and close us in prayer. But uh, thank you for... Thanks for being a church that loves the Word of God. So, good morning. I feel like Janet Jackson with us on. Um, as Buster said, as a group of elders, we are committed to this impact center. Uh, This is something that several generations of elders have struggled with for the last decade. What does it look like in church growth? How does East Cooper going to expand? Uh, How are we going to serve the the ministries? How are we going to serve the future generation? As I was thinking about this, I came across a sermon from John Piper. And one of the things in here that helps us with that struggle is he says, you need to know that churches move forward by grace in the midst of great inadequacy. God is never confused. He's never perplexed. He never groans with uncertainty about what to do next. He is always overflowing with wisdom and good ideas, and he is merciful. He has blessed us in and through all our groaning. This church growth that we're experiencing is a difficult challenge sometimes. We're trying to figure out where do we best use our resources? Uh, how do we put the money that, that you're giving to, back to the kingdom to its best use? And we believe the Impact Center is, to borrow Buster's analogy about the, the clocks and the uh, weather vanes, it's the watchmaker's table. It's where we prepare the next generation. And so it's our prayer that you will support this, that you, if you haven't pledged already, that you will continue to think about it, pray about it, and figure out ways that you can become involved with it. So um, with that, I want to close us in prayer, and thank you for your time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are a people who are undone. Um, We do not have all the answers, but we praise God, and we praise your Son for knowing these answers ahead of time. We trust that you are never perplexed, you are never groaning uh, out of what comes next, Lord, but your hand is on everything we do. We pray that you will bless this Impact Center for years to come and that we as members of East Cooper Baptist Church will be a part of what you're doing in the years to come as we spread the gospel. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.